This is the Behind the Micah podcast, where we discuss Jesus, community, and everyday life. I'm your host, Micah Stephen, and our goal is always to take people from where they are to where they need to be. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Behind the Micah podcast. This is episode number 28, and I am super excited today. It's been about a week or so since we've hopped on here, uh, but I got a great friend of mine from Dunville, Kentucky. Do I say Dunville? Or is that, it Dunville? You got it correct. That's it. You got okay. it. Dunville, Kentucky. His name is Matt Loper. Matt, so good to have you on the show, man. Hey, man. It's it's good to, uh, one, it's good to catch up. Uh, um got a long history long friendship and it's, it's good to see you man yeah man absolutely how l- let's go back to that for just a moment and kind of how we met I, I i i know how we met i'm trying to remember how many years ago that we met uh it has been oh, goodness gracious uh born i mean it goes back to the 90s and i couldn't tell you where at in the 90s because i think you were you were a kid how far back it goes but i was out I think helping at your mom and dad's week of camp yeah. during third and fourth grade week of camp. And man, j- just those times, it was crazy where uh, I remember the first time you were out there, you were, you were actually helping your parents out there that week of camp and we, we played music together and things. That was yeah. a lot of fun. That was, that was good stuff. Yeah, man. I mean, it, I, you know, it was, I was trying to think back if it was third and fourth grade week that we met, I know you did some stuff like senior high week and junior high yeah. weeks out there. Maybe I don't remember which one or maybe both. Probably both. You, you did some lifeguarding out at camp, which was. We both shared in that. We uh, both did that. Yeah. yeah. So, you were the predecessor behind me, weren't you? I believe what, so. I think yeah, so. I, yeah. I think the order was, I think the order was Tim Chandler as far back as I can remember. Tim Chandler mm-hmm. was the, was the guy. And then, and then I think it was Michael Hastings, Michael Hastings. And then I took over after Michael and then me. Yeah. And then, yeah, like that was Benner or somebody was. Yeah. After. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, cra- <laughs> it's crazy to think. Uh, well, we went, we went three in a row where three of us, uh, uh, well, we, Michael did it, but, uh, you know, three of us there, three out of four went into ministry. That's, that's, that's not too bad. Yeah, man. Converted, converted lifeguards into ministry. That that's, that's something else. We went from saving lives to saving lives. You like that? Okay. So here's the question. How many lives did you save in the pond out there? I'm, I don't know that I did any. I honestly, like, really? I, I think I must've been a terrible lifeguard. So that's, I'm gonna... <laughs> I, I, I think there was, there was a few times where we had to like, you know, I had to discipline kids maybe um, yeah. to get out of the pool. Like you can't throw mud in people's face and stuff like that. Why not? There's plenty of rocks in it. Yeah. Well, there definitely was something in it. I don't know. I, here's a funny story about it. Um, do you remember the old uh, Motorola razor phones? Like the, the little flip, they're like really. Thin. Yeah. The flip flip. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, I had one. I remember it, I was such a big deal because I had a Motorola razor, right? Mm-hmm. Why I took it down to the pool with me. I why did you, why would you do that? I, I, you know it's what? It's like, why would you take a vehicle to whitewater camp? I mean, yeah. why would you do that? I, I think, I think why I did it was because I think I was using it as my uh, timer. I was using it as my watch that day. Mm-hmm. to like to know when to get out of the pool and that kind of stuff. And, and and that's really important for everybody to know this, listening to this podcast that knows anything about whitewater Christian uh, service camp is that if you did not say full time's over, a Dean would take advantage of that and you would be out there for three hours. Yeah. 
I've experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you, you have to, you have to be strict on that. Otherwise uh, it can turn into a, a, a it, it turns into a night's win before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so, so let me tell everybody who's listening to this. So, so the, the, the pool at Whitewater Christian service camp, isn't really a pool or uh, no kind of like a hybrid. It's like a, it's like a pond meets 300 gallons of chlorine. <laughs> right. We, we, that's how we did it back in the day. Now I, I don't know what they put in it, but that's 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 a very good explanation of it. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah, I mean, so there's like I think there's there's a drain at the bottom of it, mm-hmm. and 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 they 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 I don't know if I, I'm assuming I think there's like there's cement or something at the bottom down there. No, there's no there's no cement at the bottom. Have you ever been to the bottom of that? It's muck. You can literally sink about a foot in the muck in the bottom. Okay, so so how does the drain sit in there then? Is okay, like- so the drain it depends on when there was a time I think when we were both there that the drain worked well um, because on the back side of the dam that goes into Geneva Lake uh, back yeah. behind it there's a valve that you had to crawl through all the briars and everything. Yeah. And there's a valve back there. You can open up that valve and it would drain the pond. And so, yeah. So when I was there, I had the privilege of draining the pond, filling up the pond and doing all that stuff. So, so, so what people would do and for, for our listeners to this, the, the pond was actually filled with lake water. And That's the, correct. And the lake yeah. water, if it, it's, it's beautiful to look at maybe, uh, certainly not something good to swim in. I've swam in that lake before. Oh um, yeah. For like, uh, we used to do like Bible dramas out on the lake. Mm-hmm. The, what, I think they called it a Galilean service or something. Yeah. Where you swam with the raft across, they put a sheet over it. And it was like this light that was going across the, mm-hmm. uh, the cross on it or whatever. Yeah. And I was one of the swimmers that was swimming that thing across um, that water. I, look, the, I'm, I don't know what's in that water. But I'm certain that there are a few things that touch my feet in that thing, and I don't. <laughs> to this day, I can't tell you what they were. It's probably some grubs and some leeches, and leeches for sure. maybe some grass cart rolled up against you. I don't know. That'd, that'd been good stuff. But so they pump the they pump the pond with that water, and then they shock it with this huge thing of chlorine that we have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and it was it was a look. Don't get me wrong. Like the the swim hole was we called it the swim hole. Uh, yeah, the swim hole was awesome, right? It, it was it was unique like it was definitely different but when people said hey do you guys have a pool um you could just i always just said kind of you know? <laughs> oh, that, that's a really good answer coming from a preacher kind of kind of kind of i mean it's, hey, what's your church like well uh is it like this uh kind of <laughs> yeah well i mean that's a good one that's a good one right there it's not lying but it's also Anyways, um, yeah, so so we we I had this, I had the Motorola razor out there. I drop it in the water and I got kids looking for it. Like I'm losing my mind because you know, at that time, you know, I was I was I didn't make a whole lot of money, man. I was a lifeguard at church camp, you know. I got paid mm-hmm. candy bars at the canteen, right? So yeah, uh, so here here are these kids. I mean, I'm like, I'm getting these kids over. I'm like, hey, dive in for that phone. Look, first first one that finds a phone gets a Reese cup, you know, or or yeah. something something crazy. So these kids are looking for it, never found it. And the year that year, Neil found it when he went down by the drain. Neil found my Motorola Razor, 
And by that time, yeah. it was it was no longer. It had drowned. So yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it drowned in the first five seconds. It fell into that pond. But so, so I learned really quickly one thing, right? Never take your phone down to the swim hole. Uh, absolutely not. Never. So, Never. Uh, so so yeah. So so we both did that. We both worked at the camp. Uh, we both served at the camp. Um, hey, here's a good question for you. Okay. Where was your first message you ever preached? Did you do your first message at camp? Probably was at camp. And I don't know how much of a message it was. Um, it was probably terrible. But I remember the first time I was 16 years old and uh, Sean McMullen, uh, he came up and tapped me on the shoulder. You know, that's, and you're sitting there going, hey, Sean, what's going on? And uh, he said, uh, speaker's not able to be here tonight. I think it's your turn. And I'm sitting there going, huh, I didn't get that message from God. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So so next thing I know, I'm, I'm preaching my first message out of Vespers. And uh, let's just say it was filled with lots of stories. And uh, uh, But I did. I think I had a really good point with it, I think. I think I'll uh, – where, where did I go with that? Huh. I can't remember. It's been, that's, that's been a long time ago, 16 uh, – yeah. golly. I've been doing this gig for 22 years. That just hit me. 22 years I've been in ministry because that's the that was a start date. 16 years old, the Whitewater Christian Service Camp. Yeah, yeah. Junior high week. Sean, was, Sean, Sean was on the podcast. He was episode three. Episode three. He, yeah. Uh, Sean, Sean was my dean. I remember when he was a junior high guy. He was. I think that was the first time I met Sean. And uh-huh. uh, man. So much. Some some of my most yeah. my best memories come from being out there. See, I I, I used to I was on his faculty, okay. uh, and when Sean uh, retired from deaning out at Whitewater, uh, I was doing other weeks of camp. But uh, I, as soon as he retired from junior high week, I I filled in right behind him, and so this is my first year that I'm not out at Whitewater. So okay. yeah, so yeah, so it's been a. It's been a long time. So take me back a little bit before this, right? We, we obviously mm-hmm. grew up and we have so many memories out of camp. In fact, even some of my acquaintances and friends to this day um, are from there, right? Yeah. And, and people that I've met and some lasting relationships. In fact, I, I alluded to this in one of the episodes. That's actually where I met my wife uh, out at church camp. And i mm-hmm. um, super thankful for that. But, um, you know, uh, Take me back to kind of what it was like growing up, because I know you grew up around the bright area. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, t- were you were you raised in church? How did how did how did this come about? You end up out at church camp and all these kinds of things. T- tell me that, where that's, it all started. That's that's a really that's a really good question. Uh, uh, so my dad, I'm a second generation preacher. My dad's a, my dad's a minister, and. Uh, uh, Man, it was it was fun growing up as a preacher's kid. Uh, a lot of interesting things, a lot of great uh, um, times. Uh, but anyway, some th- things took place uh, in the church where my dad was preaching at, and uh, he decided that it probably wasn't the best thing for him to continue uh, doing ministry full time, just because he put it this way is that it, it just feels like every few years he was moving to a different location and he didn't want to do that to us as kids. Yeah. And so my aunt and uncle, 
they lived in this this small town at the time called Bright, Indiana, and uh, uh, we moved in temporarily with uh, uh, with my aunt and uncle, and uh, my parents found him a, a place and moved in, and dad uh, uh, got on. He was a leader there at the church. He's one of the elders um, uh, there at Bright, and uh, kind of... Uh, you know, over the years, it was it's a really awesome thing. You know, getting in, you know involved in the ministry there. But for me, when that move took place, that was uh, my fourth grade year, going into my fourth grade year. So uh, that was that was a weird time as a kid, trying to you know reassimilate somewhere different. Uh, yeah. Things were things were a lot different uh, because Dad took on a full time job. He was working. 60 hours a week in a factory. And I, during a week, it was, it went from seeing dad almost every evening and every morning to you don't see your dad at all. So that, so that was, that was weird and uh, different. And that first summer when we were there, uh, that was 1991. And that was the first summer that I went to camp and I was invited by, uh, see if I can get this right, Mark and Beth Hard. Yeah. I don't know if okay. I them very well. All right, Mark and Beth, uh, and their son. Oh gosh, what's his Josh? name? Uh, Josh. Yes, Josh and I were friends. Uh, that was my first friend I made in Bright, Indiana. And uh, yeah. anyway, I went out to Combo Week of Camp. Yeah, that was that was really that was really weird. You remember? Uh, that? Uh, I believe. If I again, I believe Roy Duckworth was the. I know, <laughs> I, I know that, that name. Yeah, I know that he was the assistant something because he had his legs shaved during that week of camp. And you want to talk about just it was such a weird experience for me as a kid. Uh, and and those of you that were around Whitewater going back into the early nineties. My mom almost didn't let me stay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was weird at that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it was. So so you end up at church camp, which another mm-hmm. throwback name, the the Hard family, which. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know them very well. They're actually Beth's mom, Kay Tompkins. Uh, was a lady that was. Uh, she's still such a sweetly still alive still. Uh, she still attends my home church um, mm-hmm. and Beth. And that's actually how I met the hards. I met Jared. Josh has a little brother named Jared. Yeah. Uh, uh, and is he still doing music? Still doing. I, last uh, I heard, uh, he's still doing music. He's in yeah. somewhere. Fantastic. Yeah. Musician. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a couple of girls, Katie and uh, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, shout out to the hards. Uh, yeah. But, 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 you know, you, you, you talked about how, you know, you were, you, you went to church camp and you were, you were kind of raised up in it, you know, being a, a, around the church a little bit and, and, and to an extent and, and grown, grown up in, in, in church. Um, was, was Jesus, um, uh, what, what's the way I'm looking to say this? Was Jesus just kind of a, a, an afterthought in your family or was it a, was it a real deal? I mean, did you, did you, was your family uh, active as far as, did you guys pray together? Or did you, uh, did your parents, you know, ever share with you about anything, Jesus, or? I would, I would put it this way, very active, um, to the point, uh, 
for everything that went on, there was always a right way to do things. Yeah. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense, but those of you out there that, that, that kind of rung a bell with this listening, uh, listening on this is that I think that that was one of the things my mom always uh, kind of drove into our heads as a kids is that, um, the conversations that we have here in this family, stay in this family, because there's always people looking at you. Yeah. And so it was kind of like that when you're in the ministry, you were kind of like the goldfish in the fishbowl and everybody's tapping on the glass and looking at you and seeing what you're doing. And so that was kind of how you grew up in that sense. You're very protective, very cautious. Um, but man, talking about my dad, uh, shout out to the great Chip Loper. Uh, yeah. uh, um, there's another throwback name. Those yeah. of you that know know my dad, Charles, a.k.a. Chip. Um, man, uh, what a fantastic, uh, I mean, dad. Every single night, um, I remember him opening up the Bible when I was a kid, and he would just share Bible stories. Yeah. And the best part was, I don't even think he read out of the Bible. I think he just he just told stories. And I always thought he was reading the Bible, but I don't ever remember him actually looking at it. He just knew it. You know what I'm saying? Like he lived and breathed the word of God. And and it was it was so much fun. And he would animate them do different voices and had so much fun with that growing up. Yeah. Um, and we always have uh, prayer time. Uh, he would say, all right, son, it's your turn to pray. And so I pray. And my sister would always be over there. And, my, and he'd say, okay. Andy, your turn. And, and then my dad always close up with word of prayer. Yeah. And, and so, you know, fast forwarding to uh, teenage years, um, you know, when dad, you know, um, you know, he's out working all the time and things like that. Uh, those times as a child, I greatly missed that interaction with my dad because my mom wasn't really that person that sat down, and, you know, had, Bible time, you know what I'm saying? That was that was dad's thing. Sure. Uh, mom's was more like, all right, here's the rules. We need to do the, we need to, this is the task. This is what lies ahead of us. We need to get these things done. And she, she was kind of like, I would say, the slave driver of the family. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you don't do this in public. And if I ever find out you did, you're grounded for life. You know, it was, yeah. it was, uh, um, that was, that was more of uh, how life was like with her. And so things changed. And so I, there had to come a point in my life and it, and it happened younger than for, than a lot of people. I, I grew up in a sense that uh, when dad wasn't around, I had to start doing that on my own. Yeah. And so I wasn't the greatest at it. I didn't do uh, my prayer. It, there's a lot of it that slacked. I wouldn't say it was great um, by no means, but it from, um, Great mentors uh, like Merle Hutchinson, uh, Jim Gibson. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, Jim, uh, uh, let's see, David Moorhead. I don't know if you know Dave Moorhead. Um, fantastic guy. Um, they did a whole lot uh, of encouraged me and uh, keeping me, keeping me to it. And so, and it doesn't also help. Uh, it, it also helps a whole lot when uh Derek Bright have an amazing guy like Mark Fugate that was a great mentor as well uh, to yeah. me. So, yeah, you know, um, you you talked about 
you know, having these role models and, and, and encouragement in your life growing up and you fast forward even further to working with kids. Um, <laughs> even now, uh, you are the, the family life guy, family yeah. life guy at Dunville Christian Church. What does that mean? I, I don't know. I guess you're the family man. So well, family, yeah. family comes in, yeah. right? And, and yeah. you even have you even have a son of your is you just have one right you have one son. I have one son seven okay. seven years old gonna be turning eight here in September. Um, so do you ever find yourself like with your own son mm-hmm. in a situation where you have questions as a parent like how how am I supposed to do this how do I operate this way how do I <laughs> isn't that isn't that a really good question. Yeah, like let's turn around. I want to flip the question. All right. Yeah. I think I think I've got. I, I don't know. It just hit me. Maybe it's a little different way of asking it. Yeah. Um. Every grown up wishes they could fix something about their child. I mean, it, it can we just go and just state it that way? I mean, every one of us, we look at something that our child does that gosh, it just drives me nuts. Why they act like that? Yeah. And you want to do something to fix it. And so you're going, how? Because like, you, like some people, it, it drives you mad. Some, some of us, we, we look at, man, they're just so loud. They're so boisterous. They just want all the attention all the time. You have some kids that are sort of, well, why are they so lazy? I, I, I give them tasks to do and They just, just stare yeah. at me and, and you're, and you're, and you get frustrated. Then, then you have, some kids that are they just want uh, all the control, and you set out a plan, and they say they're almost like we don't like your plan. We're doing it this way. They just they they want to take control of the situation. I guess every kid has you know they're different when it when it comes to things like that. And sure. for for me, my son, uh, man, I, my son has a wonderful temperament and what i mean by that is exactly the opposite of mine i'm a very introverted person yeah. i'm uh maybe that's because of things how i grew up I, i'm not a i don't know uh, there's a whole lot of things that can play into that but my son is very outgoing he wants to be the center of attention he's loud he's obnoxious sometimes can be annoying yeah. Can't stand to be alone for a second. Always has to have somebody with him, um, which is for me the exact opposite. I want to be left alone all the time. I want to. I, I, I love alone time for myself. But man, what an awesome, awesome thing to sit back instead of letting. It, for a lot of people, and I guess it's the cool thing about uh, just being a part of ministry watching so many generations of kids grow up uh, and and just just seeing the different interactions with people uh, instead of it letting it annoy me to embrace it and and sit there going this is my kid how do I work how do I work with this <clears throat> so if you if you're like me and you're like probably a lot of parents out there who who feel this way at times um, there's a story in, in, in Luke chapter two, and you know the story really well, where uh, Mary and Joseph uh, in the Bible are, are 
you know, they're taking Jesus into town because they're having this big feast of the Passover and they're celebrating this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when he's 12 at the time, um, the feast ends and everybody's kind of packing up their stuff and heading home. Uh, I don't know how this happens. Uh, I don't, I don't want to look down on them because of this, because I'm certain that I've done it or will do it at some point in <laughs> my life. But Mary and Joseph, they just start heading back, right? It's time to go home. They leave. You know, they oh, get- they're in that big caravan, man. Yeah. He's yeah. with Johnny. He's with Johnny. <laughs> you know, I think it's one of those things like, like for me is uh, I have three kids and um, you know, the, the first one was one of those things where it's like, you know, if, if the pacifier falls on the floor, you have to like nuke it and, and make sure that it's completely clean. All the, then you, you got to sanitize it to no end, man. Yeah. That's, that's just how it works. Well, but then you get to kid three and you're like, eh, it's no big deal. Just wipe it off on your shirt and move on. Right? Yeah, I'll just rub some more dirt on it. They need a community. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and so I don't I don't know how how this is this is playing off, but but at this point they're 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 feeling like you know they they're leaving for whatever reason they don't realize it until they realize it right and mm-hmm. they find out that he's not with them, and instantly uh, mom mode dad mode like kicks in and you're like holy cow yeah so the best thing is this is that during this time. Uh, did Mary and Joseph have other kids at the time? You know, more than likely, yes. And were was she? You know, she might have had a nursing kid or something like that. And all the attention was toward the younger children. And Jesus is off in space. <laughs> he's 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 a twelve year old kid, man. And, yeah, man. And 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 she's she's struggling. And I and I gotta think that in her mind. I'm just, this is just me, all right? This isn't biblical, but in her mind, I'm thinking, you know what? She has got to be feeling like the worst mom of the year, like the worst mom in the world. How in the world? I look over here at at this mom and she's got it all together, or at least it seems like, right? She's got Mm -hmm. all her kids. They're all well-fed. They've already had their baths before we head back to where we're going. And I can't even, I don't even notice that mine's gone. Yeah, yeah, mom of the year award. Yeah, yeah, and, and, I, and I venture uh, to think that most people who are listening to this, if you're a parent, at some point in your life, you've had a dad or a mom, you've had that feeling of maybe I I am struggling as a parent right now because maybe I did something wrong or maybe I'm failing as a parent or failing at what I'm doing. Um. You think that's the it, case? It, it's like this. The child is not meeting our expectations. I think that's a really good way to, to, to state that, is that I'm pretty sure Mary and Joseph had expectations for Jesus. Did they state the expectations, or did they just assume that Jesus knew the expectations? Because we got to think to ourselves, if Jesus knew that there was a specific time he had to be back, did Jesus just get overwhelmed and forget? Possibly. I mean, there, there's, or, you know, was there just an assumption made? That's a good question. I mean, there's a whole lot of fun questions, but we also know that whatever happened, Jesus learned from this, but also Mary and Joseph learned from this situation as well, because they learned that uh, Jesus stated real quick, said, what? He said, didn't you know that I was going to be in my father's house? Yeah. 
Actually, actually, her her wording for uh, their wording for him is, "Son, why have you treated us like this?" Oh yeah, yeah. Why have you done this? Like yeah. And I'm pretty sure I've said that in some form or fashion to my kids. Normally, yeah. You know, like, numerous times. Like, why are you doing this? Like, so, do you want to have? Let's have a real punching uh, uh, climax of th- this episode right here. Okay. Uh, this podcast. Let's put it this way. Can you imagine if, like a a Christian counselor, Christian psychi- uh, psychiatrist, or psychologist, jumped in here in this moment and they said, "Your child, Mary and Joseph, your child, Jesus, is not the problem. Your expectations are the problem." You know, yeah. Sometimes, without realizing it, we have expectations that we have developed. Why? One, our upbringing. For me, everything, I've got lists for everything. I'm very cautious of what I say around people. People put me on the spot. I'm not going to answer until I think completely through it. Oh, man, my son's the complete opposite. I I internalize, I think, before I speak. My son is the opposite. He thinks by speaking. It drives me absolutely bonkers because that's not the way I was brought up. Yeah. Here, here's Jesus. All right. Hey, there's no better place for me to be than in my father's house. I've got invited in here. I had the great opportunity to sit around with the wisest, smartest, knowledgeable men that know God, that know my father. Yeah. And I'm going to sit. And I'm going to have a conversation with them. Nothing against you, mom or dad, but I'm in the right spot. Where have you been? And for him, his expectation, he's meeting his expectations. Mary and Joseph have expectations for Jesus that he's not meeting, but Jesus has got his own path. And think about that. Our children, they drive us nuts sometimes. But sometimes our expectations for our children are different. We have big dreams for our children, right? We have these expectations, these dreams of what we want our children to be like. And when they're not meeting them, we get disappointed. And what, what's our conversation with our kids like in that moment? Are, are we building them up or are we tearing them down? That's So what... So, so as, as, as they come back and Mary and Joseph are coming back and, and we alluded to the fact that Mary and Joseph got to be feeling like parents of the year. Right. I mean, they, oh, yeah. they, mm-hmm. they feel, they feel like crap. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever felt that way before as a parent? You ever felt like maybe, cause I'll just, I'll go ahead and speak and answer my part of it. Yes. The answer. for yeah. me, Yes. Like, like I felt like, Hey, man, I'm not being the dad I need to be, or I, you know, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm not doing this right. And I, and I start questioning myself. I'm almost like that other voice that's in my head telling me how bad, mm-hmm. bad I am. Yeah, absolutely. There's been, uh, there's been some, I wouldn't say they were, I call them epic fails because I've, I have high expectations of what, a father is supposed to be. And when I don't meet um, 
my child's needs. That really frustrates me because I, I want to be the best dad that I possibly can be. And I know that there's been times where, um, where I may get frustrated with my kid. Like for instance, we're out in a baseball field and my son goes out there and he hits a double. He comes in and scores and he comes into the dugout. The first thing my son says to his teammates, did you see me hit that ball? And I'm sitting there going, ah, you know, it's like, it's not about you, you know, and like, and I'm frustrated over there. You don't talk like that. And for me, after the ball game, I'm giving this big, huge, you know, three point message and if you want to do the Charles Stanley thing it turns into 12 point message and yeah. and you're over there you're just laying out and uh he's just looking at me like I'm the more I talk I can just see I'm just like I he doesn't even have sales anymore I don't even know if he has anything to put sales on I've ripped everything off and like he's got an oar and he's he's trying to he's trying to you know trying to figure out where to go and and I realized that in that moment when I was talking to him and I just stopped. And for me, I knew right then and there, that was not the way to have a conversation with a son. It wasn't the correct way to, to talk with him about it. There's a whole different approach. When talking about, you know, if there's parents on here listening, everyone's experienced this. You could say one thing to one kid and you can get a response and it may be the response you're looking for. And even where they, they correct the behavior, you can say that same exact thing to a different child and get a completely different response where they run the exact opposite direction of where you want them to go. Yeah. And that happens. And, it, and it's all about how we communicate. We all have, uh, I, love languages, innate needs that each and every one of us have. And if we don't speak that into people's, into like our family, into our kids' lives, uh, we're just like deflating them. I, I guess a really cool illustration you can put it this way is uh, when the gas light comes on your car and that fuel light comes on, and you're driving down the road, what is it a signal for you to do? Go get gas. Go get gas, right? <laughs> Hurry. Fill up the tank. We all operate the same way, don't we? That there's times in our lives we feel down, we feel like we've been run over, and what are we looking for? We're looking for a fill up. We're looking for a fill up station to fill us up emotionally, fill up our needs to help us, you know, to face what we need to face in our life. Right. And if someone's not filling us up yet, the words they use when they're communicating with us are doing the opposite, tearing us down. What happens? Are we going to fill up our child's gas tank or just filling it with a bunch of words and what's going to eventually happen is that child's going to go somewhere else, not to us to go get their gas tank filled. Yeah. And how many times in ministry, Micah, have you, and we won't talk about this personally for us, but yeah. how many times have we seen that in ministry where we have seen uh, a student and student ministry, 
a young adult, or even grown-ups, uh, married couples, okay, where all of a sudden the marriage tank is getting empty. Where do they go? And how many times have we seen that just a natural disaster takes place for a family because people don't use the right words yeah. to build each other up? Sure. You know, it reminds me of uh, Ephesians 4.29, not to jump from Luke chapter 2. No, you're good. Uh, where it says, do not use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, I, growing up, Mama Loper always said, don't use bad words. All right? And so that was drilled in my head. You don't say these words. And I remember being on different sports team. You'd even hear coaches use those words. And the whole entire time, anytime anybody would use any type of foul language, man, I just go this. Like it was like it was like sirens going off in my head, strobing lights, and sitting there going, "That person is not a man of God." You know, like <laughs> yeah. And you sitting there going, "I don't need to be in this situation anymore. This is this is uh, this is a terrible thing." Something took place to me uh, right out. It was. It might have been during college or right out. I interpreted that verse a completely different way. It says, do not use foul or abusive language. The Bible doesn't define what foul and abusive language is. It's any language, because we can use a sentence, a sentence going, hey, Micah, um, you know, pick it up a little bit, man. Yeah. You, you need to be doing a better job of this, right? I could go in there and say, or I could turn around and say, hey, Micah, you're doing a terrible job. Come on, what have you been doing lately? Which one built you up? So, hey, is there a way I could help? I'm here to help you out and do something. Or sit there and just completely tear someone down. Well, guess what? That's foul and abusive language. Yeah. Are you going? To, are you filling up someone's tank when you're talking like that? Or are you tearing them down? Because everything that we're supposed to do, we're supposed to be encouragers with the words that we use. And without realizing it, sometimes with our children, instead of inflating, building up, encouraging our kids, or deflating them. And it's because a lot of times we have expectations and our kids have expectations and we're not seeing eye to eye. Mm. And it's because we're not having conversations. And if we're not, and if we're not willing to, to have those hard, tough conversations to figure things out, your kid will go somewhere else. And I have seen that time and time and time again where parents come to me and they talk to me and said matt i don't understand why my kid is doing that this over here why why they're over here they're sleep around with their boyfriend or girlfriend why is it that they've got caught up in drugs and i'm sitting there thinking to myself you remember that time when you told your kid xyz and your kid just went and turned off from you you tore them down Instead of building them up, instead of you being the person that comes to for encouragement and to get built up, they've went somewhere else. And sometimes that's not the fact, you know, not the not the case. Sometimes kids just make really dumb decisions, and we see a lot of that too. Well, but 
And to add to that, I, I would say there, there's also cases where these kids have seen, you know, just bad parents. I mean, just, oh, yeah. you know, parents yeah. who, who just weren't parenting, right? They, they, and so, you know, when, when, you know, you're around it all the time, you know, don't be, don't be surprised when you become it because that's who you, you know, that's what you're around all the time. So a lot of these kids, man, they not, not that that's always the case, but a lot of cases mm -hmm. are sometimes, you know, kids are the way they are because they were raised that way. Yeah. So the small group leaders that are out there to listen to this podcast, coaches, school teachers, you never know, like all these kids at, at some point or other, they almost like your own children. You've kind of like, it's the adoptive, the big, huge adoptive family of God, you know, like that's a really cool sermon. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, I mean, it's just awesome to say we're the adoptive child of God. We're the heirs to God's kingdom. I mean, me, I, I, I still do this day. Every time I say that, I'm just like, just, oh, can't fathom it. I'm like, like, hey, I'm God's kid. All right. Yes. I don't care about anything else. But helping students, helping kids under, like take that same, when we get excited about that, for them to feel excited too, that we're all one big, huge family here. Uh, you know, all of us brothers and sisters in Christ, we're all brothers and sisters, and we're here for each other. Let's encourage each other. And, and for those of you that are coaches, teachers, um, youth leaders, youth workers, volunteer, whatever we do when we're working with kids, man, those words that we use, how it could just be something that fills them up and the place they need to be coming to get filled up. And uh, man, that's just, it's incredible to think about. Words matter. And, you know, I, I, I would, I would say, you know, I, I going back to, um, I mentioned I had three of my own, the first time I found out I was going to be a dad, um, mm -hmm. I was freaking out, man. Like I was, I was like, I don't know how to be a dad. You know, yeah. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how I'm going to be able to provide for this kid. I have no idea. I've never, you know, I don't even know that I've ever changed a diaper. Like I don't, how am I, I I'm just I, like in my mind, I'm going, I'm just a kid myself. Like there's, mm -hmm. I have no business having a kid. I remember the the extreme feeling that I had. I was excited, but really, really nervous um, mm -hmm. because I was kind of tiptoeing as to I don't I don't know how to parent. I don't know how to I don't know how to you know and and um, and I got to think that you know a lot of parents have felt that way at some point. Um, we've talked about Mary and Joseph and and, and Luke too, but uh, you can see, you can see it probably in your own life at, at some point, if you have kids like, Hey man, I, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And, mm -hmm, so, and so, and so I asked some people before this, before this podcast episode, I asked some people just some questions that they would have if, if we would discuss it on the podcast, mm -hmm. um, knowing that, you know, I'm certainly not a child psychologist. Um, I'm just a, uh, a dad, a middle, uh, middle-aged dad who uh, doesn't have all the answers, probably have felt the same way as you, uh, but mm -hmm. we're going to try our best to answer some of these questions. All right. So who knows of that uh, right there behind you? I'm going to, I'm going to shoot some at you. So the first one is um, how do you know the difference between spoiling, spoiling your kid and rewarding your kid? Like, how do you, By the way, Loper has not heard any of these questions. These are just no. That's a that's a coming right away. So so uh, I don't know. I 
I'll go first if you want to. I just want to. I just want to answer this to way Heather's grandfather. My wife, uh, her name is Heather, and uh, her grandfather uh, um, passed away a few years ago. But I almost want to answer it the way he does. Can you spoil a child? Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, can you show them so much love? Can you do so many things that you you, you spoil them? You know? Can you? wouldn't we do anything for our kids? You, I think that you know insights that are going, uh, you know, ice cream six days in a row. We're going out there and sit there going, hey, you got a hit during tonight's ball game. You deserve an ice cream. You caught a ball. You get another ice cream, you know, yeah. something like that. But Well, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a fine line. Yeah, there right. is. And I think that's different for everybody. Uh, you know, uh, you make me nervous thinking about that. Um, well, so here's yeah. what here's what I will say. Um, yeah, I, I we so we I love to reward my kids, and I love for mm -hmm. my kids to have. Um, so recently, my um, we went and got shoes not long ago for my oldest son, and uh, he he's you know right now big are the these katie shoes you know and and man i'm like i remember as a kid i wanted jordans and how jordans were so awesome you know i couldn't pump ever them up, man. Pump them up. you gotta have the pumps yeah i i got a pair of the pump the reebok pumps i do have yeah. to this day i'm a grown man i still have them <laughs> um, but but uh you know i always wanted a pair of jordans and so my kid went and and he's like man i want kds and i'm like uh Look, man, I kind of want you to wear some Jordans, right? I want you to. But I'm just still gonna say this real stop. I, I gotta stop you. I'm sitting here thinking to myself. I don't know what KDs are. So KD is is a guy named Kevin Durant. Plays oh, I'm good. I'm good. Now. I got you. Okay, so so, yeah. so the, the shoes are called KDs, right? And and uh, they didn't have them there. And so I'm um, I'm talking to him, and I'm like, hey, man, you really need to wear these Jordans, right? You need to get these Jordans. Well. But I told him, I'm like, hey, when you get the Jordans, you can't wear them in the woods. Like, you don't go mudding in the Jordans um, because I just spent. Now, um, did I spoil him because I wanted him to have good things? I, I don't think that's necessarily spoiling him. I, I, I find that it's kind of loving on him. Um, but if I'm going to the store to, you know, buy him Jordans every day, um, that might be a problem. Uh, you, I'm also learning that like sometimes it'd be a problem for your, uh, your checking account. Yeah. Especially when, you know, I'm a preacher, but, um, I, I guess, I guess for me, like, I, I think that leads to, that leads to like entitlement a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. like eventually your kids get to a point where they're like, well, how come you're not taking me here? Because I deserve to be, this is what we yeah. always do, you know? Um, I don't know it, what that it, line is. You know, it, it's, I guess you could yeah, and almost go to the point where we can not covet thy neighbor. I, I deal where you, we live in uh, America in this in this sense that we live in a lot of prosperity. We have a lot of opportunity to um, to accommodate things. Uh, we're not really restricted. We got Amazon. You can buy anything and everything that you want. Yeah. And, and a lot of times, without realizing it, we 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 can create inside of our children to keep up with the Joneses. 
And uh, for me, uh, we live around a lot of uh, Mennonite uh, Amish country. Uh, I believe we're the same in that, Micah. Um, And one of the great things is that I love the simplicity. I think it's a, that's a big thing I try to teach my son as well is that is, do you want this because someone else wants this or is this something you, you really, that you need, you know, cause there's a difference between a want and a need. Um, I, I don't know that that's, that's a really good question though, but I, I think that's going to be different for everybody. Um, and there's a lot of different ways you can teach that. I think, you know, one thing I think is, you know, teaching for one thing, my kids have no idea what the value of a dollar is. So uh, that's one thing I try to stress with them. Like, Hey, like, you know, yes, we went out and did this. Just know, like when we go out to Chick-fil-A and we spend like $50 at Chick-fil-A, just realize how, you know, 50, how, how hard it is to get $50, right? It's not like, yeah. you know, um, and, and, and another thing is, is teaching them that it's okay to have good things and nice things, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not okay for the nice things to have us. And, yeah. and uh, I don't know, I'm with you, man, but wherever that fine line is, there definitely is one. Uh, I just oh, yeah. don't know where it is. Exactly. Uh, I, I think it's, it's, it's be, it's teaching your child to be respectful and understanding because everybody's different. And if you could, and if they can see the differences of how people live to it, helps them, helps them see that. So this is uh this is a, another one um, question that I got. And this is, this is one that uh, I've struggled with. Um, when is it okay to have me time as a parent? That's a really good question. I, I, I love this because I actually talked uh, to uh, a lady in our church about this over the weekend. What a great question. Yeah. Um, so this mother, um, <clears throat> uh, she came to me and she said, Matt, uh, I've been getting really frustrated lately. And I said, what do you mean frustrated? She said, it just seems like I ha- I want my kids to do X, Y, Z when we come home in the evening. And instead of putting their shoes up when they come to the door, there's a shoe over here, a shoe over there. One's got shoes running through the house, and they got mud all over them because we're just at the ball field. And dad says, ah, it's not a big deal. And he just walks in. He's got mud all over his shoes. He walks to the bedroom takes off his shoes and now mom's cleaning up everything for the next 15, 20 minutes because we didn't do the proper thing. We walked inside the door and then we start, I start picking up here and then I realize I go into the bathroom and Johnny's taking his ball uniform up and he's throwing it all over the bathrooms, taking a showers, come out. Dad's gotten a shower, but the clothes are still over the floor. Now mom's got to do the laundry. She's got to do all this. Dad's leaving on a business trip tomorrow. He's going to be gone for four days. So mom's got the kids and she's sitting there going, I just want a date of myself. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure there's parents out there to think like that. And so I, I just threw this, I threw this to her. I said, this is a, be a fun practice for you after, you know, when the kids go to school, come home, say, when we come home from school, the first 20 minutes when we get home, is downtime. Pick open, open up your book, something, read. Maybe it's go over your homework, something you learned today. Maybe it's your spelling words, vocab words, whatever it is. 
maybe you're going to clean your room first 20 minutes. Mom's having alone time for 20 minutes. And I said, you may say that. You may set the expectation of what, what you need. There's nothing wrong with, with a parent looking at a child and saying, this is what I need. Yeah, I need you all to do your part in helping me out as a parent. Yeah. But I said, don't expect it the first day. I said, do small steps. So maybe the first day it's five minutes. Second day, seven minutes. You just add a minute or whatever it is every single day. And eventually you get to the 20 minutes. And before too long, you have created a new habit for your children. And you've had your alone time that you've desperately needed. Sure. I identify with that because I'm the same way. I love to have, I love my alone time. Yeah. I I get that. Yeah. Well, breaks are so important and for everyone, everyone needs breaks. Uh, My wife, if she was on here right now, she would be rallying behind me, clapping, saying, yes, amen, hallelujah, whatever. Jesus had his breaks. Think about Jesus when he went out and, you know, fed the 5,000. What do you do? He said, you all go on without me across the lake. Well, how are you going to get there, Jesus? I'll I'll hit your ride or I'll just walk across the lake. So the thing is, is that, uh, uh, you know, Jesus took time to do what? To collect himself, to rest, spend time with his heavenly father. And sometimes we live in a culture that is go, 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 go. And if we don't take time to fill up, okay, goes back to what we talked about earlier with our children and how we communicate with people. Yes. If we don't take time to fill up, what are we giving our children? An empty tank. And before too long, it's kind of like the opposite of like filling up your gas tank, but there could be explosions, bottled up explosions about ready to happen. And it's because you get tired, you're wore out. And you just can't hold it back anymore. And now yeah, you're bursting out, which brings a wonder. It's like one of my pet peeves. Like, I guess it's the thing that I talk about a lot in student ministry, children's ministry. And it just seems to always come up with talking with parents. It's, it's the verse from James chapter 119, where you all must be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Yes. And how do we make sure that we do those things? It's by making sure that we address what each and every one of our expectations are yeah. and figuring out what our, what even our child's expectations are, because maybe they're the ones that have this need. Maybe we as a parent, as we get home from school, we got to get, mom's got a list of chores to do. We need to get all these chores done. Well, if you have a child that's sitting there going, I just need 20 minutes. I've been getting lists all day long of tasks to do at school. Sure. I just need 20 minutes. Yeah. Don't give me another list of 50 things to do. And then your child's blowing up and you're sitting there going, I don't know what the kid's problem is. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that they're in the same boat as some of us are sometimes. So it's that flip. Yeah, we, we, we have to, I, I think it's important for us to, to, to realize like, Hey, you know, um, doesn't matter if it's the kid, if it's the parent, it's important for us to realize that, you know, we're no good to somebody if we don't take these time, it's, it's important yeah. for us. And, and, you know, and it's not, a, it's not like 
for a parent who's listening to this, like, it's not like it's bad for you to feel that way. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, we try to get now this doesn't always happen. Um, we certainly don't have it all together at our house, but we're learning and we're learning what works and maybe what doesn't. And, you know, like at nighttime, that's our that we, we've learned, like, that's our time where we yeah. uh, because if we don't get that time, then we're not the parents that we need to be. You know, yeah. so, so we have to have it, too. And so we'll try to get our kids to bed and then, you know, we'll just spend our time, you know, whether it's watching TV together or talking together or whatever it is. together. <laughs> but, you know, my wife, she's she's uh, she, she went from being a therapist to a stay at home mom when we moved. Over. Yeah. And, you know, she's with my kids literally all day long. Just she yeah. feels like she's doing the same thing over and over and over again. And when you walk in the door, Micah. You are taking over. <laughs> well, it's hard for me, and this is a whole other topic, but it's yeah. hard for me sometimes to just drop my like my work and don't bring it in. Yeah. And uh, Ben Merrill uh, used to. He's a uh, he's a famous preacher, man. Ben, um, I I saw that Ben used to put a nail on the door of his house. Yeah. And whenever he'd come to the door, it wasn't for like to hang a wreath or to hang something on the door. It was actually a reminder to him that this is where you leave your junk before you come into this house. Like yep. all your yep. ministry stuff, it stays outside the house. It doesn't come inside. Great reminder. I told my wife, I said, we need to put a nail on the door. And she's yeah. like, what do you mean? And I was like, I got to remind myself that, but, but you know, it's so important to take those for time's sake. We got to keep going. So um, oh, I got one more thing to say with that. That's, yes, this yes, yes. Personal story. Uh, uh, my son, the opposite when it comes down to that, if I were to come into the house and say, by the way, daddy needs 20 minutes by himself, by just alone time. My son's sitting there going, you don't want to spend time with me? <laughs> yeah. You, you don't love me no more? For him, it, like, I'm sitting there going, so for me, I need that alone, and I just need the quiet. My son's loud, obnoxious, wants to talk all the time. So I've, I've got this. We've developed this in our own house. You could come sit next to me. Let's say I'm going to go home read a book. Or maybe I'm going to go home and take a short 20-minute nap before I go coach a baseball game. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Whatever it is, we do it together. Yeah. So that's one of the things. So he, so he feels like he's got to have that – he's got to have someone with him all the time. Yeah. Uh, that extrovert inside of him. He's always going to be around people. So it's it's developing that habit where he's with me, but he experiences what that is. Yeah. So he understands. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, what, where, where is the happy me medium in parenting when you want to, you know, you, you don't want to shelter your kid, but at the same time you feel the need to instruct, mm -hmm. like, like you don't want them because eventually uh, you're going to die off. I'm going to die. Yeah. And you know, they're going to be adults or kids and, yeah. and, and they have to be able to know, you know, why they believe what they believe because, you know, not, not, not because mom and dad said it, but they have to develop a faith of their own. Yes. Yeah. How, how yeah. do you find that balance? Like, like you don't want to overly shelter them, but you certainly feel like you, you definitely need to instruct them. Um, where is that? I think a lot of things, it, it comes down to um, our upbringing, how we were raised, uh, um, our past experiences, the things that we've experienced in our lives, the, uh, um, I would say the, um, the moments in our lives where we would say the great regret that maybe we've experienced in our life and we, 
We call them past experiences. Sometimes we try to do everything possible that our kids don't do what maybe we have done in our past and that they could have a better life than what we have, right? Yeah. I'd say this, and I think this is this is probably the especially if you have teenagers or tweens, the you know, right there, uh have those conversations. Yeah. Be open, honest. This is what I did. This is why explain why you 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 discipline, why you instruct, why you say what you say, why is it that daddy has this saying that he says all the time, there's nothing good that takes place after 10 o'clock, so be home at nine. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, why do you say that? Hell. And, and and that's that's tough. I mean, having some of those. I mean, I, I, I'm glad I'm not there yet in parenting. Uh, but I have I have witnessed from giving that advice to teenage parents, teen parents, to have those tough conversations with their children, and wow, what that did for their relationship. You know, when I was a kid, um, I played baseball a lot. And I remember one thing in particular that my um, my dad, um, so so I, I pitched and I remember on weekends we would we'd travel all weekend and we play baseball. And now as a parent, I completely understand what my parents went through because if I'm being completely honest, um, sometimes I dread it. Like I love my kids playing sports and I love being a part of it, but uh, every weekend's a little bit out of control. Um, every day of the week is a little bit out of control. Um, I, I'll be honest now that baseball ended in our town, like I can breathe a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, when I was a kid, I would do that. And I did all the weekends and uh, I remember my dad would always say to me, um, you can play, but on Sunday mornings, uh, you're at church and, yeah. you know, any other time you can play, We're, we'll be there. We'll support you. You're going to play that kind of stuff. But Sunday mornings, you will be at church. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember there were some games that were Sunday morning games and, um, you know, my coach would be like, Hey man, you're on the Hill, man. You're pitching tonight or today, uh, tomorrow, whatever. And, um, I would say, Hey dad, coach has got me pitching tomorrow uh can we make an exception and dad never did like it was always like hey man his son like church god is always first right god is mm -hmm. first um at the time i despised him for that like mm -hmm. i was literally the only kid on the team who who was missing sunday morning games because of that now fast forward you know years down the road um mm -hmm. and as a father myself I have learned how, uh, how awesome that was. Like I learned through that at the time I didn't like my dad for it, but now it's kind of like, it's kind of like when I got spankings, you know, and, uh, I don't, I know that's not a popular thing to say in 2021, you got whippings, but I got whipped by my dad. My, my dad got to three, one time it changed my life. Uh, you know, um, you know, and, and, and I can even laugh. The fear of the Lord was put inside of me. 
you know, like he, he didn't beat me, you know, I wasn't yeah. abused, but I, but I was whipped. And, and at the time I hated him for it, you know, mm-hmm. now as an adult, I'm like, thank God that I had a dad that loved me enough to discipline me when I needed to be disciplined and who loved mm-hmm. me enough to tell me, Hey, Jesus is first and you don't understand it right now. Cause you're a kid, but one yeah. day you will, uh, the importance of it, um, as an adult now, I'm thankful that he instructed me. Um, but then at the same time, I'm also thankful that I was able to develop my own my own faith through it. Yeah. I don't know what the formula is. I don't I don't know the uh, but but there's there's definitely things that work. And then the, but but you've seen both sides. You've seen the parent that overly instructs and they shelter their kids over and over and mm-hmm. over again. And then you've also seen the parents who just don't really care about their kids and never really do anything for their. They, they do whatever they want. Uh, and again, it comes down to the whole uh, different kids respond different ways to different instruction. And uh I'm pretty certain that the way your mom and dad uh, worked with you was different than how they handled things with Curtis. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, you know, there's, there's differences um, um, of how you communicate and how you instruct, instruct your kids. Um, uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it uh, with uh, uh, a man in our church uh, as an amazing elder, awesome guy. Um his uh, one of his grandchildren had a had a ball tournament um, in a different state, and he went and went to that. And he missed church on Sunday morning, and he uh, he took a picture of uh, right before a ball game. Uh, can't remember which state it was in or where it was at, but he was leading a Bible study uh, on Sunday morning, right before the, uh, a fifteen minute thing, out underneath the tree, and three or four other ball teams joined in around that circle and what took place in that moment. And both of our responses were exactly the same was sitting there going that was needed that morning. And I just said, see, you're a preacher after all, keep it going. There's such a huge need, like such a sports is such a huge thing anymore. Think about it, what, what parents do. I mean, they'll do anything for their kids. There's so many different things that go on in our world today, especially, you know, weekend ball, you know, oh, gosh, there's just stuff going on all the time. For me as a student pastor and do, doing things where you're trying to do student ministry and trying to, to orchestrate events, put together camps, whatever it may be, it is so hard because it just seems like no one's time lines up to make it like, there's no such thing as the perfect date. There has to be sacrifice no matter what, when it comes down to something. Yeah. But it's also in that moment to teach kids and sitting there saying, uh, this is our one thing that we're doing as a church this summer. This is the big thing we're going to promote. Everybody's going to sacrifice together. Yeah. Can we do it together? You know, it's that big, huge encouragement. You let people know how far in advance don't schedule vacation. Don't do this. Yeah. This is going to be a time your kid needs to be here. And it's emphasizing it on that thing. I think that's I think that's important. I think that's awesome. I think it's a, that that perfect thing. And I understand the other flip side of it that there's sometimes things happen, but take advantage of it maybe and use it as a tool. And and I, I, it's that uh, you know 
it, what's the right answer? I don't know what there if there is one. I just know this. I know my, the greatest example that we could ever use is Jesus. And you think about it, there was rules, there was expectations that Jewish leaders put out during the time. And it just seemed like that every time that something took place on a Sabbath, Jesus was breaking one of their rules. And Jesus just smiled at him and said, I'm just doing my father's business. So this is what I tell parents out there that are sitting there going this. If you can do your father's business, then do your father's business and break the rules and make us pastors turn blue in the face because it keeps us on our toes because it's another opportunity for ministry. And I don't know, that's an extreme way of putting it, but I think it's it's that it's that checks and balances because there's sometimes is that we also need to be put in that perspective of is the church being relative relative for that young generation too is i don't know is that a whole entire appeal thing and if we can go fishing out on a ball field on a sunday morning to bring more people in let's go fishing you know and 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 how can we help you go fishing to make that even better or even greater if that's a possibility and 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 should it be all the time probably not you know what i'm saying I think, I think, and you even take it even a step further is I think maybe in that situation, it was less about the where, like, you know, yeah. hey, on the ball field or less about, you know, the what, but it yeah. was more about the who. And exactly. And, and I think, I think even through that, I was learning like, Hey man, um, dad was saying, Hey, you're a great baseball player. Uh, but let's be real. Like chances are you're, you're, you're probably never going to make the major leagues. Uh, statistics show that like less than a percent, most of these kids um, just understand baseball is a great thing. I love baseball. Um, Just understand that, you know, in, in a hundred years from now, baseball is not going to matter, but Jesus is. Amen to that. And, you know, and um, so just keeping, just keeping your priorities set Uh, two more and then we're done. Okay. (laughs) So, 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 uh, the next one I have, and this one is a, uh, they're all good, but, but this is another one that someone said, uh, they said in regards to technology, uh, been asked a bunch of, uh, by a bunch of parents about how to navigate freedom versus, uh, restriction. It, 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 uh, it says, but essentially a holiness focus instead of a behavior modification. Um, how do you how do you respond to something like that? I've, I've he says he's talking about how to navigate freedom with technology versus restriction in technology. Man, that's a <laughs> that's a good question. And I'm at a very people that that know me well. I hate technology. <laughs> for certain things, but at the same time, I use it all the time. So, uh, gosh, you know, when it comes down to, um, especially students, uh, I understand this uh, 100%. Uh, you know, being in ministry for 20 something years, and how um, you go back 22 years ago, um, you still called home uh, your home phones. Yeah. And left messages for your friends. Now it's uh, five thousand texts go through in one day. Uh, and actually, we don't even text anymore. What are you talking about, Matt? It's Snapchat. You know, it's like you know everything's everything's constantly changing, um, and it just seems like it's changing every day. 
more and more and more and more. And how do you how do you police something as a parent when they're when a kid's got Snapchat? I mean, there is no policing it. There is no it's there is no. I don't even think you can restrict it uh, from my knowledge of how that works. So, man, how, what are you doing that? Do, are you the parent that says you can have a cell phone, but you can't, you can't engage. You can't communicate with your friends. You can, you can have text messaging, but you're not going to have Snapchat. And then if I were to tell that to my son, okay, I'm just predicting because here he is that got to be around his friends all the time. He's got to know everything that's going on. Yeah. I, I, I could see that being, a big huge black eye that will both be punching each other in the faces and getting black eyes. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's one of those things is uh, how can you have a conversation with your, uh, with your kids to, to create an accountability, you know what I'm saying? That open dialogue, because I'm pretty certain that you will know within three questions, what your kid is doing. And you know your kid better than anybody else. You know you can read the – if they're trying to put on a poker face with you, you can read it. You know when your kid's not telling you the truth. Sure. And, and, and I think it's just having that dialogue with your kids. And, and as a parent, you set up your own expectations and, and what, what it is. And, and maybe sit down with your kids and you develop it together. Um, especially the older they are, that's important. Uh, you know, for, you know, younger kids, like my boy, seven years old, he has grown up knowing what an iPad is. I mean, what's the point of a computer? You got an iPad, right? Right. I mean, I, uh, computers, the thing of a past for, uh, we're going to be considered old timers because we call things computers. Yeah. They're going to look at us and sit there going, what are you talking about? It's iPads, man. So, the thing is, is like restriction with things starts as a, I think starts as soon as they get technology in their hand that you set up some type of expectation. You set up some type of restriction where it's that communication starts so early. Yeah. Just because you, it builds that respect. Yeah. It builds that, Hey, we can have peace in our, in our home, we can, we can have conversations and it's not, there's no accusations being thrown around. We're not accusing anybody of anything. We just want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're staying pure. We're staying honorable. We're, we're striving for righteousness in our life. And this is a very key and important area to do it. Um, and so it's setting up those restrictions and guidelines and expectations right from the get-go. Well, I think the key maybe is, and I like I like how you, and you kind of talked about this earlier. Um, my wife has definitely talked about this. Um, you know, the, the key in our relationships with our kids is, is um, for one, being able, being able to have a conversation with your kid and be real with your kid. Um, and, and one of the things that, that we've really stressed is, is specifically is um, I need you to be honest with me. Like as yeah. long as as long as you can be honest with me, uh, as long as you always tell me the truth, I will be in your corner. But the day that you break that trust, it's going to be really hard for me to be able to trust you no matter what, right? And so, yeah, stressing that being able to have that no matter whether it's your kid or maybe it's a kid in your in your youth group or whatever it is, 
you mm -hmm. have to be able to set that relationship tone where you guys look, look, I can trust you. Um, and yeah. even, even if you're in the wrong, knowing that you can still come to me and we can still have this surface level relationship where we can still have a conversation even when you're mm -hmm. wrong. And then yeah. not only that, um, but I know like for younger kids, um, we notice a difference in our house when our kids have been on screen time all day long. Mm -hmm. um, versus when they have it. And my wife is really big on, and she's a therapist and this things that they learn in, in school, but talking about like, you know, the importance of just getting outside some, you know? And so we don't, we don't let our kids, I mean, we let them play on things. I mean, gosh, um, we're not, you know, these dictators who sit around and say, you're never allowed to watch TV or you're never, but at the same time, we've learned like they're completely different kids when they've been in the screen all day long. Mm -hmm. uh, versus versus when they've been outside and just played outside and you know uh, you know and so um but we do restrict certain things we were just talking about that today like hey you know we we probably shouldn't let them just surface you you know get on youtube and do whatever they want and then at the same time like like my son he plays fortnite on on uh his nintendo switch and we don't let him like we we don't let him talk to just anybody on you know just just for safety reasons like it's just probably not a good idea for you to be talking to guys that you know you have no idea who they are and what the, you know so so I think it's setting boundaries and in, in, in screen time is is huge um, even in your cell phones like like I'm not saying you have to take them away but just be like hey look tonight like maybe put put your phone away for a couple hours or. But also building that relationship, right? Building that and being able to say, hey, look, as long as I can trust you. you know, that's right. You know, that's one of the big things. And there, there's different uh, things out there that people can uh, do. I, I've got iPhone, uh, which everything, except for my wife, she's an Android user. Uh, I pick on her all the time about that. Shame. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but the reason why I love iPhone is that my son's iPad and everything, like it's all connected with my phone. And so I can go in there and I've got app limits set on different things. I've got downtime. So if he wakes up, he's not, uh, I've heard of kids and uh, talked to parents that kid wakes up middle of the night. They're watching movies at one, two, three, four in the morning. I said, they're going, you can control that with your phone. They said, what? Yeah. Listen, I, I'm pretty sure Micah, he's pretty, he's pretty technological technologically savvy he can yeah. post that he, can, he may be able to post some uh content along with this yeah. down at the down at the bottom of the podcast of how you can set up those uh, screen time yes. and uh app limits and communication limits and uh contact and uh privacy restrictions you can set that all up and you can actually um have all that uh where you can control it all with your phone and you don't even have to get on your kids stuff so but it all deals with sh uh, family uh, sharing so anyway awesome. I've, I've had to learn all that yeah I, I just think those things are those things are important um, in, a, in a day and age where we live in where everyone connects and trust me I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody like I, I need to probably learn screen time as well um, learn when to put my phone down I'm, I'm probably on my phone way too much um, but I also know that uh, we live in a we live in a day and age where um, you know we we don't communicate in ways that maybe like th there's I love a good conversation 
uh, uh-huh. versus sometimes, you know, texting, texting is easier and that kind of stuff. We live in a day and age where, you know, that kind of communicating is out the window. Like no one hardly does it anymore. I get it. I understand it sometimes, but I also know that um, I, I think we were made for those conversations. We're made to have community with people face to face. And, um, you know, and as far as, as far as being on things that maybe they shouldn't be on, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, just, you know, being able to look at, look at the things, but, but again, at the end of the day, um, building that relationship where, Hey, we can trust each other. Um, That's right. and even when, even when you mess up, I mean, who hasn't, even when you mess up, I just need you to be honest with me and, and straight with me, because as long as we have that relationship, I will be in your court. Teaching uh, children accountability early on will help them later on as adults to make sure they have accountability as they grow up, because every one of us need accountability to hold each other accountable to, um, you know, being the best we possibly can be. And a lot of people, uh, especially men, we run away from accountability because we want to be everything. And it's one of those things to to teach that early on and teach them a real week and be open and honest about that. Say, uh, especially dads talking with their sons and saying, "Hey, uh, we know how easy it is to look at stuff, and yeah. the reason why we tell you this is because, hey, we've been there, we screwed up, we've done things, and um, and what we need to um, appreciate um, women for who women are." Um, they're not, they're not things. They're people. Yeah. And, um, oh gosh, it's, it's so important to have those conversations and be able to have, be open and have dialect. Last question. Okay. Uh, this one is very, uh, could be very broad or however you want it, but I think it's maybe the most important of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you teach a kid, your child or someone else's child? How do you teach them to love Jesus? By your example, that's the that's the easiest that's the easiest thing. If if you're not, children mimic what they see uh, by their actions. Um, uh, I see it every day. Um, we live in a world where it just seems like that parents are really busy, have a lot of things going on. Um, and if you're busy, your children will act busy. Yeah. Grandparents that are listening to this podcast, show them Jesus. Live it. Um, show them what's the most important thing to you. Don't be afraid to pray with, with your grandkids. Um, let them see you make wise decisions. What you're telling those crazy stories about when you were a child, Tell them about the times where you screwed up too, and yeah. and being open and honest because man, you know the the crazy things is uh, how much that grandparents have poured into my life, um, how important that was, and if I could tell anybody anything is that grandparents don't live forever. Yeah, and uh, and if you have a grandchild. Man, uh, you be open, honest, talk to them. Don't ever forget those conversations. I, I've got one living grandparent left, and uh, and uh, and to me, it's just uh, 
um, those conversations, those memories that you have, oh my gosh. And as a parent, how cool would it be where you could sit down on a porch one day and have the conversations where your future, you got your, your child sitting out there and then your grandchildren sitting on the swing next to you or something. And you're telling the goofy stories about when you're a kid and you're, and your kids over there rolling their eyes, staring at you going, don't tell them that. You're sitting there going, it's important, you know, but where it drives, drives home the importance of faith. And uh, don't, don't be afraid to share the Bible. Don't be afraid to talk to them about your favorite scriptures. And because those, those things right there last forever, live it out, take them camping, be like Jesus, take them along the sea of Galilee and walk around that, you know, wherever that is and, and teach them the things that you've learned and why that's important. Well, I, I know that for a lot of people, um, you know, they will take like, like it's, it's so easy for so many of our kids today um, to, to just kind of fall into the latest fad. Like, you know, like who is, who's the most, you know, popular, uh, preacher out there man i want to listen to him and i want to mm-hmm. kind of get into the fads and get into all that kind of stuff and i think sometimes um they miss jesus because they're just trace chasing the latest trend versus jesus right um mm-hmm. and so the important thing there i think is just showing them like hey you know um you know just remember that we're not we're not chasing you know like these people don't die for us. They never have died for us. Um, the most important thing is Jesus and what he did and yep. get caught up in it. And I think sometimes we, sometimes our kids today, they get caught up in, um, I don't know what the word is there. I guess somebody maybe has used, uh, fundamentalism, yep. uh, you know, um, or, you know, that everything's okay. And, you know, I think, I don't know. Um, it's so important to, to live relative it. relativism whatever's relevant to me uh yeah. <laughs> handle it. oh gosh we can we can go all day with that but you know as a parent i think uh um, sometimes we get caught up in uh, growing business or being the best employee we possibly can be or providing for our kids the things that we we didn't have growing up Sometimes those things can be our focus so much that it distracts us to what's the most important thing. Yeah. And the most important thing is our children there and for them to, to know and see Jesus um, and for us to make that a priority in their lives. Um, they need to see that. We, and, and we've got to be real. We've got to be open. We've got to be willing to have tough conversations uh, because if we don't, um, uh, it's, it's tough. It's sometimes it's like uh, we we want to say the right thing, and sometimes uh, the way we say that right thing comes out the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it's it's learn how to speak that that truth and to each and every one of our kids. And it may be different. The conversations, uh, uh, depending on how our kids are, uh, maybe our stories need to be condensed and some of them need to be drawn out. Uh, 
because uh, they listen differently too. Sure. I, 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 but that, that's a good question, but it, it, we have to live it. No doubt about it. Well, so, and then, and then to wrap it up, um, kind of the, the key verse that most people will use is Proverbs 22, right? Verse six, mm-hmm. to train yeah. up, train up a child in the way they should go when they're old. Uh, they won't depart from it. And, yeah. um, you know, I guess my, my two cents on all this would be, you know, just, um, don't, I mean, maybe as a parent, get out of your own head. Um, because a lot of times we're in our own head and we're our biggest enemy, you know, of how bad of a parent are and it just, you know, just, as you said, just live it, um, teach it, love your kids, um, stress the importance of and the value of your relationship um, and stress the priorities in life that matter the most. Like, you know, certain things aren't bad. You know, baseball's not bad, as we talked about earlier. You know, um, you know, activities, you know, any kind of sport or any of those, you know, none of those things are bad. But they just need to be, you know, put in their proper place. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and um, you know, and so I think that's awesome, man. We covered a lot of stuff today. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on and giving me time out of your day. Hey, listen, it's a, it was a privilege, man, and uh, excited. Uh, it's, it's fun to, to have conversations with, uh, with uh, is it sad? We had to say old friends because, uh, you know, it goes back so far, but uh, it, it's, it's been good talking with you, Micah. Yeah, man. You know what? I'm praying for you, praying for your uh, for your ministry, uh, mm-hmm. praying for your family. I know uh, God is using you in a big way down there. You're, you're part of our preaching network, which has been slacking majorly. We uh, have been a little bit. And uh, I, I've slacked really bad since the pandemic. It, but, uh, uh, I, well, I'm really thankful uh, for you, man. Thankful for your ministry. And uh, man, um, if there's anything you need, reach out. Uh, but, but thanks again for hopping on the show today. Thank you, man. All right, man. We'll see you. This has been a Behind the Micah podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check us out next week. And remember, we're always striving to love God, love others, and serve both.